What's up, gamers? I'm Tori Dominguez. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It's the gaming podcast for anyone and everyone who has an opinion about Pokemon. And let me tell you, dear listener, your opinion is right and your friends, they're wrong. Very true. (laughs) Today's episode is a little bit special. Uh, We decided that we wanted to sit down with someone who has played through Legends Arceus and wanted to give us their whole thoughts and everything, given that I currently don't own a copy of it. Noah currently does not own one, but we are very interested in it, and it's being talked about a lot right now, and it's something I would really like to try, and I'm still debating whether or not I should try it. So with us today is Ray Pauletta. You might know her as the editor at Planetary Society, and she is not a games journalist, but she is a journalist like us who happens to game. And we're just going to sit down with her and ask her all the questions that we have about all things RCS. And that's how we're going to do it. We are a couple of broke-ass bitches, but we love Pokemon. And we heard that you also love Pokemon. I love Pokemon so much. I mean, I have been a Pokemon fan since the mid-90s. I'm like, well, it's born in 92, so I got to do the math there. But no, I've been playing these games forever. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to start off by, and this could be a fun opportunity for us to, for listeners, like, do you want to tell us a little bit about your history with Pokemon and how many of these games you've played and how you got into it and that kind of thing? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I'm actually forgetting the exact edition it was that I started off with, but it was, I started playing on Game Boy. And I remember that was just the beginning of the Pokemon boom. And so I just, I needed, I needed more. And I eventually moved on to Pokemon Stadium. And for me, that was the one that was like the critical moment where it would be like me and my dad and my brother, we play in Pokemon Stadium. And I still have, I'm pretty sure the Nintendo 64 like disc or whatever, um, just sitting somewhere in my apartment. Uh, and that was the one for me that I was like, I can't get enough of this game. I mean, there were all these, I don't know if you ever played Pokemon Stadium, but for me, my most treasured memory were the mini games. Mm-hmm. Like there was one that I think about all the time. Like I would be on the G train. I would be like in Trader Joe's. I'll be anywhere. And I will think of the mini game from Pokemon Stadium where there's like a little Clefairy and you have to do a dance. And if you don't get the dance correctly, you get like bopped on the head and it's like I don't know why that's such a specific memory like ingrained in me but anyway yeah this is reawakening like core memories for me as you're because <laughs> like you know we forget so many things to survive and just fill our brains with other stuff and then we're like wait a second Clefairy yeah. Pokemon Stadium I, I'm filling my brain with other Pokemon information so I'm pushing it <laughs> I'm putting new Pokemon information in and it's cramming out old Pokemon information. You know, I do actually say that of all the Pokemon, I feel like I'm a a Psyduck for almost Mm -hmm. the reasons that you're saying right now. Like I'm very prone to headaches, Mm -hmm. but like I'm trying my best, you know, and that's all we can ask. And I also love the water. Like I love the beach. So I feel very connected to Psyduck in that way. Oh my God. Psyduck, uh, a chronic migraine sufferer queen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love I that. I get really bad cervicogenic headaches. Like, I literally had to redo, like, my entire space. Like, get a standing sit desk. Like, 
all this stuff because my headaches are just like terrible. And I'm sure that sitting at my desk, like a little gremlin all day, doesn't make them better. Yeah. I like being a gremlin though. <laughs> oh, I can totally relate to that. I'm also a person who gets headaches, but they're exclusively like on the right side of my head, which is oh, just like yeah. weird. It's always like, is it allergies? Do I have a brain tumor? I don't know. Um, and like, it makes me go into what my fiance calls gremlin mode, which just means I <laughs> don't move off the couch and I work and sleep, not sleep. I work and nap and game and eat in the same corner of our couch. And which actually makes it worse, honestly. It's like a feedback loop. Gremlins mode. unite though. Gremlins <laughs> unite. I, I want to hear too, Tori, what's your, what's your kind of background with the Pokemon series? I know even though you did not pick up the latest game like myself, that doesn't mean that you're not a fan. Oh yeah. So um, I was the youngest child in my family and also the youngest grandchild on my mom's side, which means I was exposed to Pokemon at a super young age. There's like literally a baby picture of me being picked up and held by my uncle and I'm holding little Pokemon cards in my hands. I'm like a year old and they're like bent and folded with like my little hammy toddler <laughs> hands because I know how to handle the cards correctly. Those are definitely my brother's cards too, by the way. So he probably was very upset about that um but let's see so I was always I was always fascinated with the cards at a young age and the first game I actually played uh, or at least tried to play was Hey You Pikachu on mm -hmm. the N64 but mm -hmm. I remember being very young and very confused about what I was supposed to be doing and I just felt like I was running around and not really getting anything done and so it wasn't until like later in elementary school where I actually played three whole Pokemon game that I really enjoyed and that was uh Diamond Mm -hmm. So, and I was watching the anime during like the Sinnoh region arc, and that was just what was the latest thing at the time. And I was obsessed with it. And I love Piplup; he's my boy. Yes. I love water types. Um, so that's yeah, how I started. Did you ever play Pokemon Snap? Yes, I played that on the Wii Virtual Console, and I actually own new Pokemon Snap. Yeah, I am too. still like literally neck deep into finishing Shimagami Tensei Five, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> suffering. It is so like I, it's agonizing at this point. I'm like a little burned out. <laughs> I'm yes. looking forward to hearing more about that later. But um, I guess I've, I've we've gone around, so I'll share. I I too, am, I'm the oldest of two. So I don't, I didn't have a lot of like getting handed down that kind of stuff, but like Ray, we're both a few years younger than you are. So for me, it was the first game that I played was Crystal. So the, of the second gen games on the Game Boy Color. And the reason that game came out probably when I was like a baby, but I got it from one of my, uh, we have family friends who are functionally family and of those family friends. The youngest was working at GameStop through most of the late 90s into the early 2000s. And so a lot of times since I was like the youngest male child on any side of the family throughout there, I would get to reap the benefits of him working at GameStop. So I got a copy of Pokemon Crystal. Later on, I got, I still have it too. It's a, I got a copy of Pokemon Emerald that says like not for resale. Like it was a demo cartridge <laughs> that they had in GameStop. And so sick. Oh, it was so cool. And I, I love, I love him to death because he set me on this track of like one playing video games as much as I do, but two like playing Pokemon. And I didn't have a lot of games for my Game Boy just because like games have always been expensive. But man, I, 
I spent so much time playing those early games and like I had my N64 and I was really into Pokemon Stadium too. And I, I've definitely had lapses in being interested in the series where like I'm less interested in it and I have not played every single game, mm-hmm. but I, I've probably played pretty close to it. Like there, there have been dips in interest. I remember when like when Diamond and Pearl came out, Tori, like that was a spike in interest because I didn't have a DS when Diamond and Pearl came out. But a friend of mine in elementary school did so i was just like this is the coolest shit in the world and then like it like is. it's 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 kind of waned and it's gone up but like i know tori i've told this story on the show but when they re-released pokemon red and blue on the 3ds i was i was either a junior or senior in high school when that happened and most of my close friends had 3ds's and all of us fucking spent the 10 or 15 bucks to buy pokemon red blue or yellow so that we can all play it on our 3DSs at the same time, like it was fucking 1998. And, I like, there is still something so magical for me about those early games. And I know it's probably mostly nostalgia, but the series has always, even at its lowest points, captured, like, a really a really imaginative part of my brain. So I'm excited to hear more about this, this latest entry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, you raise a, a valid point, and the through line is totally there. Like, even in this game, in in Arceus, um, it's it's really obvious that they're they know who's playing this game. They're like, we know that all of you have been playing this game for decades. I mean, of course, there's newcomers, but they're they know exactly who's playing the game, and it's nice because there's a lot of there's there's some magic in that nostalgia for sure. I just want to pause. Is it pronounced Arceus? Because I said Arceus. No, no, no keep it so rolling. It's, it's totally valid. I actually had to like listen to a YouTube video about this because apparently, I think it's like in the Japanese version, it's pronounced with the soft C, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But in the Americanized version, they call it Archaeus. Okay, no, I just didn't want to save. I wanted to save Noah some work by making sure we, I, we didn't have to retrack anything. Amazing. No, no, I'm <laughs> keeping all the I'm keeping all this shit in in post because this is hilarious, actually. Because I've heard, and this might be wrong, I'm going to leave it in whether I'm right or wrong, because it's funny, that the reason it's pronounced Arceus, Arceus, whichever, with a hard C or K sound in English-speaking territories is because Arceus sounds too much like arse. And to one side of the world, I mean, that's, that's ass. So that's a butt. Yeah. We can't be We can't be out here calling God Pokemon butt man. So <laughs> I think that's funny as hell, so. Well, that's the more you know. You know, so, but you're right to be confused. So it's yeah, completely yeah, I, just, I just don't want to get roasted, okay? Um, so, okay, just walk us through this for a second. So you turn on the Switch, you boot it up, you put in the game. I imagine there's an update. Uh, you finally get the <laughs> chance to play it. Please walk us through with the first, like, half an hour. But, like, what were your unfiltered thoughts? Okay. I'm so glad you asked. Because the beginning of this game can only be described as just, wow. Uh, Your character, first of all, before you even see your characters, there's just this like gold shimmering light. And then this, there's no voice acting throughout the whole game, really. Hmm. Um, But a little banner appears that's like, what shall we call thee? And I'm like... What, what is happening? We're getting old English here. It's getting, getting weird. Uh, so you have to like type in your name and all that stuff. 
And then you just like, your character falls out of the sky and lands on a beach. And there's just, it's a cold of an opening as there can possibly be. You just fall down and you're in like a t-shirt and shorts. And I'm pretty sure from every comment, someone comes up to you is like, hey, so like, what are you doing here? Do you remember who you are? And you're like, no, do you see the thing? I just fell out of that. I don't remember shit. <laughs> and uh, they're like, hmm, well, I guess you could just come to our random village then. Like, that should be fine. At least we can get you out of whatever this look is you're wearing. And you get to town and everyone just fucking hates you. Like, immediately. <laughs> they look at you and they're like, oh, yes, we see the latest clown is in from the Clown Academy. I see, like, look so- who just rolled by. And you're like, I don't know where I am. I need a hospital. Um, but okay. Bold new direction for the franchise where everybody's just an asshole, I guess. Oh, yeah. I know. You Pokemon. walk into the village, everyone's like, oh, it's Amnesia McGee over here. Yeah. Like, God. They're literally like, no one wants you here. And you're like, all right, feeling great so far, 10 out of 10. Somehow you like land a side gig. Uh, you don't even have to put on your LinkedIn or anything. Like you just kind of just get this gig as like the town uh, Pokemon studier. Uh, you start working for like the Survey Corps uh, because you have no money <laughs> because you just fell out of the sky. So uh, you that's how like the game gets set into motion. That's how you start. You meet up with the professor and he's kind of like a, dunce <laughs> he wears a really silly hat though like uh it's like a little cute beanie thing um he doesn't really know what's going on but it's fine and um then you just kind of like find pokemon what's interesting about this game though is that there's not i mean compared in my experience there's not like that many pokemon but you do have to catch Pokemon many times to like fulfill requirements for the Survey Corps. Like hmm. you need to catch maybe a Magikarp do a Magikarp after it does a certain move when it's in battle, or like you maybe need to catch it um, without it seeing you. Um, so you need to do these different things and get clever about how you're basically filling out these logs, as opposed to the other games where you're just catching Pokemon. That sounds interesting because that's drilling more into the kind of stuff from like Pokemon Snap and some of the mm-hmm. like the auxiliary games where it's more about interacting with them oh. as living creatures rather than just like a member of your RPG party, which sounds kind of cool. Yeah, the Pokemon all hate you, by the way. They're that's like, great too. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this is my house, okay, first of all, and you're here and I don't like it very much. <laughs> and I'm like, so- you know what? I respect that. (laughs) Um, I'm just some random person who fell out of the sky and I just got a job like 15 minutes ago and now I got to like run around and uh, capture you or whatever. Like it's, it feels like super weird, right? So I kind of, I respect the Pokemon for hating me. I think they deserve to hate me. That sounds, that's kind of, I forget what review I've read and listened to so many at this point who mentioned it, but someone in one of the reviews I've read mentioned that this kind of makes good on that that initial interaction. Like when you first start the first Pokemon games, you're told that you can't go into the grass because Pokemon might attack you. But mm-hmm. you know, like you never get the experience of being just a person walking into the grass and getting murked by a Pokemon. <laughs> and it's, it sounds like this game gives you that experience, yeah? Oh yeah, it's tall grass the whole time. Yeah. Whole time. 
Although I will say there are certain Pokemon that are called like the mellow type Pokemons that like you never even need to throw a Pokeball at them to capture them or, or sorry, you never have to fight them to capture them. So one of them that is my absolute favorite who I stand for like no other is Bidoof because <laughs> I love Bidoof. I actually have Beaverell in my party, like mm. currently the evolution of Bidoof and nobody goes harder for Bidoof than I do. Like I love beavers like personally i just think they are nature's architects and i love to see that there is just a sweet little beaver who like is just the happiest little goofball just in a <laughs> silly goofy mood 24 7 and i just love that i i kind of steered at it already by talking about how this relates to some of the past games but like the core promise of these games is that you're going to be exploring a world and living with a bunch of little fun beasts mm -hmm. and like how how does this game fulfill that promise like does this does this feel like it it harkens back to what you imagined when you were a kid when you were playing these games for the first time you know what's funny is it actually doesn't like hmm. it doesn't make me feel this like warm fuzzy feeling at all it almost reminds me a lot of how i felt when i played breath of the wild um and i played breath of the wild during the pandemic and i just want to say first of all like it might be my favorite game of all time like ever um but i felt like this game has a more it's, it's not like you're playing with your pokemon and you're like hanging out it feels more like you're on like the same team together or something like you're there to accomplish a goal and the goal in this game is um more like freeing and saving this region from uh these pokemon that have become in this frenzy they call it which uh, it's actually that i made the breath of the wild comparison because it kind of reminded me of like the i forget what they call the four beasts um but they've basically been tainted in some way and you have to restore them to their natural sense it's a very very similar concept but I will say it did make me feel it didn't it didn't make me feel like like it was this happy kind of like playing mentality I thought I was gonna have but I think it was still something really valuable and cool I don't know maybe it's like it grows with you that's a really good point and that's also how I felt when I first played Breath of the Wild and I played it um I played it at launch. I played the first half of it. And then I went to college and like didn't play it for two years. And then halfway through college, I picked it up and played it, played it again, finished it up. And there's a starkness about it, about how open everything is and how wild everything is and how you start out with being armed with not much more than a stick. And there's just something really freeing in that, like you said. Um, and at first... The reason why it took me two years to finish Breath of the Wild is because I actually didn't really like it at first. Um, I didn't like the dungeons very much, actually. Yeah. And it slowly grew on me. Um, I thought of the dungeons more as like drudgery to further the plot and then love like the scenery and the side quests. So maybe I could see myself liking this new Pokemon game. Um, what do you think, Noah? I, yeah, I don't know. I think the the one thing in relation to Breath of the Wild that I wonder about this game though is that part of what 
pushed me through Breath of the Wild's world was that I felt like there was always something new to discover. Like the the loop of that game of constantly finding something new is just so perfectly crafted so that every time you crest a hill, you see whether it's a shrine, whether it's like just some guy who looks kind of big that you want to go beat the shit out of. Like there's there's constantly something new and cool to do in that game. And that's where a lot of open world games lose me. Like I've talked to you quite a bit on the podcast about this story. I briefly played a little bit of Assassin's Creed Valhalla recently. And I got so bored with it so fast because the minute the world opened up, it was just I was looking at a map with a bunch of dots on it and I didn't really give a shit about what any of those dots were. But mm-hmm. how yeah. how does this game's open world compare to something like Breath of the Wild? Like, do you feel like you're discovering things? I think I think you do, but I think it takes time because to mm-hmm. be honest, for the first like quarter or so of the game, I literally didn't understand the plot at all. <laughs> like the main quest was just like, nothing i mean to be fair i was gonna say like no disrespect but this sounds very disrespectful it's like the plot is kind of thin and i think in the beginning it's a little confused and things are happening like i said you fell out of the sky but now you have this job and everyone's yelling at you and it's just nothing really makes sense but by the middle of the game i think it kind of finds its footing a little bit more i think there's still I think there is this very open element to it, but I will say that it's like, you kind of have different, so if you think of the map of the game or the area, like the wilds that you're unlocking or, or that you're venturing into, there are different parts of it. So there's like uh, the volcano and like fiery parts, similar to like, like the fire type Pokemon. There's the icy part. Uh, that's the one that I'm in right now where I just finished, I guess. Uh, there's one area that's more of like a traditional, it looks like some, anything you find in like Breath of the Wild. It looks like a big forest kind of. So there are different parts and you need to like clear those parts. In fact, you need to gain a certain number of like stars. They almost are like badges so that you can get to the next level. So there is okay. some sort of system they do, you know, incentivize you to get to the next level. So that I will give them credit for doing that. Now that we've made a lot of uh, comparisons to other very well-loved open world games open world games like breath of the wild assassin's creed valhalla um there is one complaint about this game and that it's uh the main complaint is graphics uh some people say that this game the visuals make it look flat despite it being uh despite it being uh, an open world what are your thoughts my thoughts are <laughs> This game looks like it was made in Microsoft PowerPoint. <laughs> Holy shit. It, is, it does not look good. <laughs> like, I'm just going to level with you all. It does not look great. Um, there's parts when things just, like, are clearly breaking in the background, like trees <sighs> that are just, like, it, it looks crunchy at times, if that makes sense. And that's, like, a lot. The Pokeballs will look like two-dimensional all of a sudden like a like a drawing like it gets rough at times um I think I struggled with it more in the beginning of the game because it is kind of jarring like in how bad it can be um but as I got further into the game I almost just let it wash over me in a way I kind of stopped thinking about it as much I do think the game though is very expensive for you know how it looks like it's really pricey um and it doesn't look that great but 
I could see why that's the main complaint. It does seem to be like time and again, that's the one that's coming up. Yeah, it's it's tough because it's like a lot of times discussions of games, not just like this, but just in general, do kind of fall into this, are graphics the most important thing? And like, I'm somebody that very strongly believes that that is not the case, mm-hmm. but it, it tends, it's something that tends to get leveled at the Pokemon company. And I'm not going to go to bat for the Pokemon company. Pokemon is the most profitable media franchise mm-hmm. on the planet. So, like, if they really wanted to put a little more money into, like, trying to optimize this a little better or trying to make it look a little prettier, like, the world is their oyster. They absolutely can. So, I remember when this game was announced, like, from day one, that first trailer, the first complaint was, the graphics look bad. It looks crunchy. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't look as bad as it did when it was first announced, but, like, it definitely still does look a little rough. Yeah, there's... I forget who I was talking to a friend about this recently, and she was like, it looks like a draft. <laughs> and I would say that that's kind of accurate. Um, I would say that that's kind of accurate. It is a little yeah, kind of draft I, vibe. I'm kind of in the same boat as Noah, as like games don't have to be cutting edge looking to be good games. Mm-hmm. Like I love Undertale. That mm-hmm. game is not out here looking like the latest thing on the PS5. But I, I am bothered when games look like they are collapsing upon themselves. Like, I had this <laughs> yeah. issue. And, like, some Switch games do have this issue. Like, I had this issue with, uh, I believe it was Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, mm-hmm. which is, like, a Warriors game with, like, 500 enemies on screen, and, and the game just, like, has a stroke. And, I'm like, you should be able to handle yourself. I don't know. Um, but that's my two cents. I just want it to function or look like it's functioning. Yeah, it definitely has the moments where it is not functioning. I can tell you that. I mean, I literally, before we did this interview, I sat down and I literally, I'm looking at a, like a notebook that I wrote and I wrote pros and cons. And the first thing I wrote was this game looks like it was made in Microsoft PowerPoint. But the pro, <laughs> the pro, which is very important is overall, it is a fun game. That sets the groundwork for more open world Pokemon games. That was my counterpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was actually going to ask you, and you probably just answered this. Like, <laughs> do you think a game like this is the direction that Pokemon needs to head in? I think so. I think that they can push themselves a little bit. You know, I think that they hope, my hope honestly is that they learn from this and they see that there are a lot of really good things about the game too. Um, I think that there's a lot of heart in it and it's a super ambitious game. And like, I always have to respect ambition. Like this was going to be difficult from the get-go and it involves a lot of different just subplots and different places and a completely new way of thinking about like, about catching Pokemon and like all the different strategies and the scientific stuff there or, you know, scientific air quotes. So I respect that a lot for them. And I do think that they're probably going to move more in this direction. I think they could have just used more time or money, both, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it's not like this is, this is not billed as a mainline game. Like, this is not the newest iteration that has two versions that have, you know, you gotta, you gotta get the other ones so you can trade with your friends or whatever. And that's gonna, that's how we justify selling you two different $60 games. Mm-hmm. But I, I have been kind of curious and I imagine that's probably what the case is here is 
seeing how people react to this and maybe maybe in the future legends whatever the hell is like the direction we're going or maybe this gameplay engine is what gets kind of dragged over to the mainline games or what have you and i would not be surprised too if i know it did you play brilliant diamond or shining pearl yes i um i haven't finished uh diamond but i have it yeah and mm-hmm. i've been playing it a bit well i want to hear your thoughts on that too but mm-hmm. i i have since it has received like generally relatively positive reviews i would not be yeah. surprised if like the future of the the remakes is we get something like pushing the boundaries of what the series is going to do and then something that is more of like a by the numbers re-release of like black and white next that just kind of is made by that company ilka and has like the cutesy toy graphics you yeah. did say that you got brilliant diamond do you want to tell us a little bit how you how how you felt about that? How does how did that compare playing these like back to back like that? Yeah, I mean, Brilliant Diamond is such a different game because Brilliant Diamond is still very much in the world where like Pokemon are your friends and they love you, and then when you play this game, it's like the gritty reboot of Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a very different vibe. Where in one in one place it's like sunshine Pokemon, and then the other one it's like, hey, there's a giant black hole, and it's causing uh, this entire world to potentially fall apart. So you and your band of Pokemon better get your shit together and like fix it. It's a very different set of stakes, I'll say that, uh, and the tone is like definitely, of course, very different. I'm curious now that we're talking about like the different games that you've played. What is your favorite Pokemon game? Hmm. Okay, this is going to be a weird answer, but I loved Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Hmm. That's, I've never heard someone say that as their favorite. That is an interesting one. Mm-hmm. I really liked it because it was about the warm and fuzzy. Um, <laughs> as much as I said that I like this game because it kind of isn't the warm and fuzzy, Pokemon Eevee is like, you get to pet Eevee and it gets to go on your head and stuff like it's really cute and um i also like that when you like throw the pokeball you kind of aim it at the pokemon i feel like that adds another like layer where in this one in this game there's no aiming involved with the pokeball you just press the trigger and it's like do you want to throw a great ball and you say yes and that's basically it before we go completely off of the new game i mm-hmm. you touched on it a little bit and i've read that a bit in interviews but it sounds like it gone is the core gameplay loop of like you get to a town, you fight trainers along the way, you get a oh, gym yeah. badge, you do part of a quest line, and then you go so that you can get your next gym badge and fight more trainers. Like, does it still have trainer battles? Does it still have, like, stuff like that? How much of the, the original core gameplay loop is still there? Yeah, there's no, like, trainers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really exist in this game. Instead, you play, uh, you usually do, like, a battle before you do one of the, like, bosses um and usually that's with somebody who's in like the diamond clan or the pearl clan because they pop up at different points in the game but um there's no like trainer you're you're not going to towns and like playing trainers that's just completely gone from this game Hmm. Hmm. that is interesting i can't imagine uh like a pokemon game that isn't like snap or when those are like wildly off of like the main form of gameplay being anything but going to town and meeting people and beating up their Pokemon. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. So you've listed your pros. 
which are that it's fun, it's inventive. He listed the cons that it looks like it's made uh, in Microsoft PowerPoint. Um, on a scale of one to 10, one being like, this is the worst game ever, and 10 being like the best game ever, how <laughs> would you rate it? And would you recommend it to a friend? Like, would you recommend it to, to Noah or I? I would recommend it. I would probably rate it like a six and a half, okay. which is a very specific score. But I would defend that because I think that it does capture a lot of the things that people love about Pokemon. It does introduce new, it, it goes in new directions, which like I respect. And I think that like, as we get older and play this game, like, I think it's one thing to play the same kind of game over and over again, but this does take a new stance. And I like that. And so I would recommend it for that. And I really like, there are parts that made me laugh out loud, even though they didn't probably intend to. Like, uh, for example, once, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but once you like beat all of the main characters or mm -hmm. the main kind of like bosses, you have to go to this other mission that I actually haven't finished yet. So I myself am on the threshold here, but you basically get banished from the town <laughs> that you've just been like told at first that they like, didn't want to accept you and do anyway, but then you get banished because they think you're in on some like plot to destroy the world. And wow. it just reminded me of like the scene from the beginning of the movie, The Witch, when they like banished the family out of the out of the like colony or whatever, the settlement. And I was like, oh my God, like it's this is just like an A24 movie, except it's Pokemon. So there is the crossover <laughs> there. God, you know what that sounds like to me? Did either of you guys ever play any of the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games? Yes. I did not, no. I would go to bat for those games. They're great. But uh They are great. Yeah. I okay, Tori, have you played like the first set of them? I think it was like red and blue. I there was like a Game Boy one and a DS one, I'm pretty sure. I had a DS one. Okay. I believe mine was blue. The the stories for those games were always like weirdly heart wrenching. Like in those games, the core conceit is that you are a human. And you have been turned into a Pokemon and now you are in the Pokemon world and they have like civilization and they're going about their business and stuff. But this is like such a weird core memory. Like I remember being traumatized by this in, in the first set of games. I want to say there are like these natural disasters happening and everybody's trying to find out why the natural disasters are happening. And your character because people find out that you are a human who has been turned into a Pokemon, gets scapegoated for these natural disasters. <laughs> and, and you get like, you get chased out of town. There's like, I remember this so vividly. There's, you play as, you're part of a, you're like a, a rescue team. And you go into these dungeons yes. and you save, yeah, that's what it's called. You, you go into dungeons and you save Pokemon. And there's another rescue team that has like fully evolved crazy Pokemon. I think there's like a Charizard. And then like another crazy one and they're supposed to be like the veterans and they're really cool yes. and when everybody turns on you these guys chase you out of town they're like we'll fucking eat your face off if you come back into this town <laughs> Honestly, the, the idea of the charizard running after you is pretty terrifying right especially like if you're just you're just a little guy you're a you're just like a little you're just like a little Charmander or a Cyndaquil or something, and this Char this Charizard is coming to fuck you up, and then he's gonna eat you because you're all animals. <laughs> like, so it it is always 
I, I find Pokemon stories tend to have like some of the wildest tonal whiplash. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear that this one also has wild tonal whiplash. Oh, it absolutely does. Like literally, it's like I thought you guys liked me. I just like fixed all the things that's wrong in the wild. Like I thought that I was doing great. I just got promoted like four times and they're like, get you're disgusting. You're <laughs> sicking me. Get out of this town right now. And then your bosses sit there and look at you and they're like, yeah, you got to get out of town right fucking now. Like everyone hates Damn. you. And you're like, oh, that's so cold. I love um, this game is like you set one foot into the village and the entire town is like shaking, crying, throwing up. <laughs> literally, literally though, when you, when there's this dramatic part where like it makes you slow motion walk like towards the outside edge of the village, like you're slow-mo exiting. And someone's like, wait, don't go that way. And it's like, this is sick. You people are sick. <laughs> you are shaming me for nothing. I haven't played this, but it sounds to me that if the Survey Corps had unionized, then <laughs> they wouldn't have, they couldn't have been fired like this without any severance pay or any kind of additional, like, you know. I think the Survey Corps should absolutely unionize. <laughs> absolutely. Like, without question, I think that there's, that's another angle to this game is workers' rights, which is great. <laughs> we're learning so much <laughs> honestly well you gave us your rating uh mm -hmm. any any closing thoughts here about pokemon legends are Ar arceus arceus my closing thoughts on this game though are arceus is that i like it i like it even though it is kind of like microsoft paint word art came to life in some cases it is overall an enjoyable experience that um made me really made me really happy and these are these in our trying times who does not like a little escapism into the uh into the Hisui region yeah that's beautiful <laughs> that is beautiful but now i need to know who your starters are because this is very important I always go with the water type. Good choice. It kind of varies for me. I really like the water type, but I usually pick either the cutest one or the one that looks the coolest. Like, I, I can't pick one without knowing what it's going to look like when it fully evolves because then I'm going oh, like, to feel like a bozo if I picked a little ugly guy. So <laughs> I, I have to see, like, a diagram of what these little fuckers are going to look like. And... Then I still usually end up picking the cutest one, but yeah, I, I I'm like type agnostic. I don't really give a shit. I know, I know that that's like one way that the games kind of force difficulty onto it, where it's mm -hmm. like, you know, like if you pick Charmander, you're gonna get fucked up by Brock, mm -hmm. but like if you pick Bulbasaur, it's gonna be a cakewalk. But I don't give a shit if if one's cuter than the others. I'm absolutely picking the cutest one. I think I'm probably team cute. Also, um, like I picked Rowlet. For this game because he's he's just a little guy just a little owl <laughs> and i love that i love owls by the way like i'm obsessed but i mean the other ones are pretty cute too like cyndaquil is adorable and oshawott is like has like a little little scallop on their belly like they they really picked some cute ones this time but um yeah i'm really excited because my bowl picks my beloved Vulpix. I finally got a Firestone and evolved my Vulpix into a Ninetales. And oh, now yeah. everybody better watch out. 
when I when I evolve my Vulpix to a nine tails, it's over it's for you. It's over for you bitches. It is over for you bitches. <laughs> so something we do every episode, whether it's us or whether we have a guest, is we we kind of do a little roundtable about what we've been playing recently and mm-hmm. just kind of how we're feeling about it, what we've been enjoying. Um, Ray, have you been playing anything that's not Pokemon? Yes. And I'm about to make myself a clown yet again. Let's go. (laughs) Clown Academy! Um, The other game that I just started playing recently, I'm not very far into it, is Paparazzi. (laughs) I've been playing it on Xbox. (laughs) It's literally such a joy. Okay, so like, I've actually never of anyone playing this game is it like nintendogs <laughs> like what's the vibe of paparazzi the vibe of paparazzi is literally you just it's pokemon snap really it's literally pokemon snap but for for dogs like that is you the just entire take pictures of dogs yes <laughs> that sounds amazing. okay it looks kind of like it looks kind of like umarangi generation except instead of being about like anti-fascism and anti-imperialism it's about dogs it's literally just like it's literally just you go around and you get this oh there's there's a social a social media element to it as well where mm-hmm. you basically when you post the pictures of the dogs to your like feed uh people respond and some people are like woohoo party dogs or some people are like there's not enough partying dogs in this picture and so sometimes you'll get like a fan base. It's just like Twitter. And you get haters. Yes. It's like you get people who are like, you posted too many pictures today. So it really runs the gamut. It's very similar. It's, it's really a slice of life game. And um, yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to like, after a long day, kick back and relax and like take pictures of dogs, like skateboarding at a park and sometimes you can do nice things like you can clean up the skate park and you can throw their trash away like i'm a very it, it doesn't take much to make me happy <laughs> i i googled this game and one of the first articles that came up about it was a article on ign titled everyone is freaking out over paparazzi which is like pokemon snap with dogs I'm like there yeah. you go they got it in one that's exactly what it is. I mean, that it's literally the game. Although I will say, I started playing the new Pokemon Snap, and I started playing this one, not at the same time, and I think I like paparazzi more. Wow. That's, that's high praise. It's high praise. These dogs look very cute. They are extremely cute. Right now. Very cute. And they tell you what kind of dogs they are, too, which I appreciate. Like, they tell oh. you a little bit about them, so I like that, you know? I'm like, oh, I'm learning nice. something. Yeah, the dogs are good. Tori, you want to go next? You want to tell us what you've been playing? Oh, God. I'm just... So for the past, like, two months, I've been playing Shin Megami Tensei Five because I love JRPGs and I enjoy uh, pain. And so <laughs> I've been playing this game. It's really because, okay, if I'm being honest, I really want to play Persona 3, but I don't have it available to me. And I really want to play Persona 6, but that does not exist yet. So I'm torn between a game that exists that I don't have access to a game that does not exist uh so i i play the next in my opinion the next best thing which is a very similar game made by the same studio and uh it's good i enjoy it the story it has gotten better 
um i at first was like what's the story this is weird but um i'm enjoying it now but i'm in that phase of jrpgs where you think it's over but there's actually 10 more hours and that's my least favorite part <laughs> of playing a jrpg like you think it's over you beat someone big you have you like you're a high level it, you're the music is different you're like this shit hits different <laughs> end of the game and then you get introduced to like an entire new dungeon or area and you're like oh my god this game still has anywhere between seven to 15 hours on me um, so i i mean that i just wanted to end uh before i hopped on this podcast i was like eating my dinner actually i might had a smoothie for dinner i was drinking my dinner and playing it and i was like i've done everything just about besides the actual final boss so i think i might be able to clear it tonight if i just stay up we'll see hell yeah what that sounds you know great it? i just have a quick question for you what kind of smoothie did you have because i'm a big smoothie girly and i'm always looking for new recipes yeah so okay so mine it's just like we have a lot of frozen fruit because we like making smoothies, so it's just like whatever we have. But the general, the general rundown. So if I make it in the morning, the base is coffee. Um, if oh, I don't okay. make it in the morning, the base is milk. So for me, the base was a cup of whatever milk of your choice, um, and then a scoop of peanut butter, a scoop of vanilla, uh, vanilla flavor protein powder, a whole banana. Um, I would say like a handful or two of uh, blueberries and a couple of like a, like a grabbing handful of blueberries mm-hmm. and then one or two, like I'd say two to four strawberries. I think that's about right. And I blend it all up and that's it. Looks purple. If you want to add some spinach to it, I also will throw in like a handful of spinach if I'm feeling healthy and then it'll look kind of gross. It's like purple and green. It'll look like Barney. But, Sounds um, delish. It's it just tastes like vanilla and banana to me. I find when you put banana into a smoothie, regardless of what else you've put in there, you are now drinking a banana smoothie. <laughs> you can literally put a steak and a banana in the blender and blend it up and drink it and be like, this is a banana smoothie. So true though. Banana is so like the main character of fruits. And sometimes it's just like well, I want to taste other fruits sometimes, banana. Tone it down, girl. Tone it down. Like, we get it. Like, banana's like, I, no, it's me. I'm the star. No, banana, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm so mad at bananas. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you, and now I'm just for some reason, like, imagining, like, if Mr. Mime, like, brought you a smoothie right now, would you drink it? I trust him. You trust him? trust him i don't trust him not even remote you don't your mind? no not even are you kidding me he looks too devious i don't like him at all <laughs> throwing him mr mime could be posing as a nigerian prince and all those email scams we just wouldn't know he, i like i like to have a mr mime in a pokemon party but I don't think, like, if he was real right now, I would react positively to it. I feel like I would go into that. <laughs> Mime isn't real. He can't hurt you. I feel like I'd go into, like, a feral rage if he was in the same room as me. Can you imagine him just, like, pantomiming and shit in front of you? I'd be like, no. Get uh-uh, me out I'd, of here. I would kick him Cringe. out of my house. Absolutely not. <laughs> He's not welcome here. <laughs> it's so funny. What are you playing, Noah? Man. 
so I've been playing I've been playing that Pokemon game that everyone's been raving about. Um, I'm playing Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness on the GameCube. Ah, the one we all are playing. The one everyone, the one it's the one everyone's talking about. You know, it's a huge reinvention. Yeah, everybody is talking. Literally, (laughs) I went to a coffee shop the other day, and everybody was talking about Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness. Um, this game is interesting. So, Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness came out in the the era around the third generation of Pokemon games, the Game Boy Advance, your Ruby Sapphire and Emerald and whatnot. And a lot of these Pokemon spin-off games used to function kind of as like opportunities to get Pokemon that were not in those ones on the handheld to help you finish your Pokédex. So like this game was marketed as Yes, this is one of our attempts at making a console-scaled RPG in the Pokemon universe that is going to make you feel like you're playing something more than a Game Boy Advance game. But also, it had Lugia on the cover. And Lugia was not accessible in Ruby, Sapphire, or Emerald, or I believe Fire Emblem and Leaf Green either. So this was like, people were like, I'm going to buy this game regardless so that I can get Lugia. This game is about the most mixed bag of everything imaginable. <laughs> Um, it's, it is a more traditional console RPG in the sense that, like, it, you do have your party of Pokemon, you are curating a party, and you are having JRPG battles, but there's a couple of folds. One, there are no wild Pokemon in this game. Hmm. Nothing. They, the only way that you can get new Pokemon, excluding a couple of areas that are called Pokespots, which you get access to later, where you leave food, and then your, your pager dings, and is like, holy shit, someone's eating food at the rock spot, and then you have to, like, get on your moped and run to that spot and try to catch him. But the only... Yeah, it's it's a lot. The only way to catch Pokemon is to capture shadow Pokemon. So it's... We're on some Kingdom Hearts shit. The the enemy team in this game is called Cypher. And this is... Sidebar, this is actually a sequel to Pokemon Coliseum on the GameCube, which also has some Shadow Pokemon shit. I don't know, I haven't played that one. But Shadow Pokemon are Pokemon who have closed their hearts off to other Pokemon and people. And so they're angry. Yeah, it's really kind of sad, actually. But from a gameplay perspective, that means that they they are Shadow type, basically. So they learn Shadow type moves. And Shadow-type moves are always super effective against non-Shadow Pokemon and always not effective against other Shadow Pokemon. So you get new Pokemon in your party by getting into a battle and then Pokemon Grunt, Evil Guy, will throw out his Pokemon. And then you, you have like a Dragon Ball Z Scouter on your glasses. And so your Scouter pops out and it's like, holy shit, a Shadow Pokemon. And then you have to weaken it and catch it the way you would a normal wild one in the other games, but you're stealing it from this other trainer. So it's there's fun wrinkles like that. Um, Tori, you look like you want to say something. That's just I just can't. You just kidnap a Pokemon out of someone else's party. <laughs> you kidnap them, yes, but it's like with the promise that their life is going to be better because by having them in your party and then also by sticking them in like a computer application called the purification chamber but that's a side thing they like so you're doing like pokemon <laughs> cps like you're <laughs> kind of yeah you are kind of like pokemon you're like your trainer is bad that's yeah like you go into a battle and uh, which 
another another i haven't even gotten to like the main gameplay elements of this game but i think the number one thing that stuck out to me in this game is since you don't fight any wild pokemon there's like four times as many trainer battles as there are in other pokemon games mm. every 15 fucking seconds you're fighting a new trainer battle and it's people clogging the cave instead of yes no it's like you'll walk into like evil team lair and you'll walk three steps in and then a guy will run out and attack you and then (laughs) after you finish that battle there will be like four more guys who you won't even approach them they approach you and they're like it's battle time npcs names in this game i swear to god are just random five to six letter name generators it's nuts like, I, I had a notepad file running where I was taking down some of my favorite names. I want to just read some of these to you. None of these are names. They remind me of, do you remember that old meme where it was an NES football game, I believe it was? And the developers had to come up with American-sounding names. It would be like Brum, Brumden. It would be like, it would be like a... <laughs> it would be like a facsimile of like almost a name. So yeah, here are some like of the names I think. Yeah, it's like 75% of a name, but you dropped it. Exactly. Here are some of them in Pokemon. These are all trainers you fight. Pofty. <laughs> Clur. Doft. <laughs> Rixor. Ertwig. Jupex. Snidle. Snidle? Snidle! Snidle was important to me too. I made an extra note next to Snidle because uh, I fought two traders. S N I D L E. Snidle. Uh, I'm guessing at the pronunciation for a lot of these because most of these are just like, it's like Diphthong Island. It's just like so many consonants that shouldn't be next to each other. Um, after you fought Snidle, I fought another trainer whose name was Biden, which <laughs> I was like, Mr. President. <laughs> incredibly well um but another element of the battles in this game that is interesting is that there are no single battles every battle is a double battle so Mm. you are you're kind of constantly having to think more about the interplay between typing and about your party and stuff like that and there since there aren't wild pokemon there's fewer opportunities to grind for levels too so i'm a little over halfway through this game I'm honestly not sure if I'm going to finish it, which I'll get into in a minute. But you, there, since there are fewer opportunities to grind, I kind of found myself always on the back foot a little bit, which from a strategy perspective was interesting. But then you would get into a boss fight and he would have a shadow Pokemon. And since all of their moves are super effective on all of your Pokemon, you would just get wiped. So it's a mixed bag. I think it's a cool example of looking back and seeing how in 2005 they were still trying something a little different and trying to differ from the core formula mm-hmm. but like this was never going to be the direction of the main series there was people were not looking at a random spin-off game on the GameCube and going like this is where Pokemon is going like this was always meant as a weird foray into what the GameCube could do and nothing more so that's that's very interesting um i will say i'm probably not going to play any more of it because we're recording this right after that nintendo direct that dropped earlier and they just stuck earthbound on the nintendo switch snes games app on there that you get for paying for the subscription service and i have already started a new game earthbound baby earthbound is my favorite fucking game i'm a very outspoken fan of this game and 
I'm probably going to start go back to playing it like the minute we get off this call. <laughs> Earthbound fans rise up. <laughs> Earth Earthbound fans uh the most irritating people you know if you ask them they're probably Earthbound fans and we're having we're having a ball. They're great games. Actually, we're not having a ball because Nintendo doesn't do anything for this series, but man, I love these games. Tori, do you want to do want to segue us towards towards leading out here? Yeah, sure. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, trying to convince us to play this Pokemon game and talking about all the reasons why you loved it and how, how it feels. How it feels to really be in an open world Pokemon game. We really, really appreciate your time. Anytime. And um, thank you so, so much for having me on. I uh, wish I could spend the next hour so talking about Bidoof, but I understand that you guys have other priorities. <laughs> <laughs> While we got you here, Ray, where where can people find you on the internet and what what do you want to plug here while we got you? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm consistent pretty much across all social media accounts. You can follow me on Twitter at, um, at Payo Letter. So that's at P-A-Y-O-L-E-T-T-E-R. Tori, where can people find you on the hellish bird app you can find me on the hellish bird app at tori underscore as underscore always i'm on twitter too at noah underscore hertz but it's spelled h-u-r-t-s you'll know you have the right account if the most recent tweet you saw was either about earthbound or about the florida legislative session so (laughs) mixed bag there but that's my social media um you can follow the podcast on Twitter at press underscore start pod. You can email us your thoughts into the show. I desperately want to know what our listeners think of Bidoof or what your favorite Pokemon is. Uh, you can email us at heypressstart at gmail.com. All of our music is from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their music at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. And our show art is from Kai at Wisp Graphics. Tori, you want to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw the ball to you because ending the show is always the most difficult part for me, honestly. <laughs> In this house, <laughs> we support the Duke. And I just want to add one last thing. I Please. was it up today. And one of my favorite animals is the capybara. And <laughs> I am shocked, saddened, and, and frightened, frankly, that after all these years, Pokemon still has not made a capybara Pokemon. I just want to throw it out there. For listening to us, the Pokemon Company. I want a Capybara Pokemon. I want him to be a water type so he can bathe. I want him to have an orange on his head. <laughs> and that is all I have to say. I'm coming for your ass, Nintendo. Or <laughs> it's not this even is your Nintendo. final notice, Nintendo. Game Freak, this is your final notice. I, I will be outside your offices. Soon. <laughs>